Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Sister Wives with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be breaking down Sister Wives, Season 18, Episode 1, No Such Thing as a Free Lunch. There was talk of torches this episode. Goblin feels that it's her responsibility, along with Mary and Janelle, to carry the torch for Cody, to carry Cody through this. Because Cody is suffering. He's down, guys. He's depressed. Now, if I were Mary having this talk with Robin, I'd be like, here's a stick. Here's a bick. I've helped all I can. Now, on that hill behind Mary, there are plenty of sticks since Robin doesn't normally entertain people in her home. She only entertains them outside. So Mary should have just grabbed a stick, grabbed a bick from her pocket and said, here you go. I've done all I can for Cody. That's all I can do. Did Cody carry the torch for Mary when he abandoned her as a husband over a decade ago? Did Cody carry the torch for Janelle when he didn't come through for her as far as the land? When she knows she carried the torch financially for him and his whole family for years as the primary breadwinner. Robin now is in a place where she knows Cody is unhinged. His mental state is bad. He's angry. He's moody. And she knows it falls on her as the only wife. And she expects Janelle and Mary to help her coddle Cody to solve her problem and to make Cody more manageable and to keep Cody in a good mood because best customer service only goes so far. Now, the answer, of course, isn't enabling Cody. The answer is Cody helping himself by Cody getting help. Not having the three wives, now two ex-wives, who are left at this point coddle Cody to keep his mood in line so that he is more manageable for Robin. Robin herself feels depressed, but she doesn't know the word, guys. She doesn't know the word, though. But she says, it's like when you're, and then she asks, what's that word when you feel like everything is falling apart and it's bad? Now, obviously, the word that came to my mind would be depressed or depression, but Robin just doesn't know the word. She, she can't put her finger on it. Now, Mary talks of turkeys this episode, and she says that Cody used to like her turkey until he had Robin's. And she guesses Robin's turkey was that much better. And Mary laughs, and she knows it sounds off. Mary says her turkey is sweet and Robin's is savory, and Cody could like them both if he wanted. He signed up for liking everybody's turkeys. So Mary, in a sense, acknowledges that Cody is making the choice to only like and favor and choose one wife when he agreed to choose everybody. And he signed up to work with everybody. And he decided to do a plural marriage construct and enter into these marriages and create a plural family. So he signed up for this and he's not holding up his end of the deal, which is what he always tells his wives when they ask him for things or they complain or they have emotions about polygamy. He says, you signed up for this. You're not holding up your end of the agreement. That was his go-to for Christine at least. So that's interesting. Also this episode, Christine says that she isn't married to Cody anymore and it's so freaking awesome. And honestly, That was the best moment of the episode for me to see Christine celebrating being free, 
complaining about Cody, saying it's so awesome that she can laugh at him, that she doesn't have to be married to him anymore. That really was the best moment for me to just see Christine celebrating being free from Cody, being happy, basking in and appreciating that she is free from that toxicity for good. She's free from this guy who acts like a self-pitying coward all the time. And really leaving Cody must feel like a huge burden lifted from her life. And Christine seems to have found a guy who loves her, who appreciates her as she is, who sees her. And she deserves that. We all deserve love. And Christine loved herself enough to find love and to find joy. Leaving Cody must be the fountain of youth. Look at Christine. Look at how happy she is, how bright, how light, how free she looks. Christine left and she is happy. And Cody wanted to be free of his obstacles, the obstacles to his goals in life. That's how he referred to his family. And now he is free of his obstacles and he pities himself. He wallows in misery underneath that overinflated sense of ego is a man who really doesn't love himself or he wouldn't behave the way he does. Cody's miserable and the wives free of him really seem to be so full of light, so peaceful, so stress-free, without that blob of misery in their orbit. Janelle says this episode that Cody wants people to conform to make living polygamy easier for him, and she is standing up for herself and her kids. Robin looks miserable, and Cody looks terrible, and look at the difference. Look at Christine and look at the recent interview with Christine and Janelle. Look how light they look. Look how well they look. Leaving Cody is good for the health. It's good for well-being. So I noticed there's a new intro and the new music, again, every time they do new intro music, it sounds perfect for true crime. The show opens with Cody in his truck. He's driving to Coyote Pass and he explains that the state of the family is strained. It feels like a civil war, he says, and he doesn't really know how to describe it. And he goes on to explain that Christine moved him out of her house a year ago, and she said they were divorced, and now it's been months since then. Cody and Mary apparently at this point have very infrequent interactions, which no surprise there, that's what we know. Now, they talk about what's going on, but they haven't functioned in a marriage-like relationship for seven or eight years, according to Cody. But it's more than that, really, because, I mean, two seasons ago, Mary said that for over a decade, Cody hadn't been intimate with her, and he abandoned her as a husband. Now, Cody mentions how things with himself and Janelle are very strained, and he says he can't figure it out. He's super upset, guys. He's really upset. He's a victim here. He's a victim, guys. And Robin's a victim, too. Now, Cody doesn't know what's going to go on for Christmas. He says the family isn't talking. And it's everyone else's fault, of course, that everyone isn't talking. According to Cody and Robin, it's on everyone else. It's not on them. Now, Janelle is hauling the trailer off to winter storage. And she explains how three and a half years ago, when they first moved to Flagstaff, they bought the property on Coyote Pass with the intention that they would all build houses. And since then, Robin bought a house 
And Janelle, she held out. She was waiting for this dream, this property, building this house on this property. So Janelle is now putting the trailer in storage and she's renting an apartment for the winter, but she really feels like she failed. Cody, of course, has nothing but excuses. He explains that when they first moved to Flagstaff, they intended to build and three of the wives got rentals and then Robin's rental was sold. So she had to buy. She was forced, guys. Her hands were tied. They just couldn't find a suitable rental house, guys. So they had to buy. They had no choice. And buy she did on Janelle and Mary's dime with proceeds from their Vegas home sales and also with a joint family account. Could they really not find a rental or was it that Robin insisted on a five-bedroom rental, which is virtually impossible to find, knowing Cody would insist, well, if you don't find a rental you like, well, we'll buy. Now, Cody says two years later that Janelle should have bought a home. Robin reiterates that she didn't want to buy a home. That wasn't anything she wanted. All she wanted, all she wanted, guys, was to get on the property. Now, Cody arrives. He's going to help Janelle haul the trailer. Janelle explains that she and Cody have struggled with their relationship since the Rona and the quarantines. Now, Cody didn't feel like Janelle's sons were being safe and he didn't trust them and he felt that the boys would contaminate the family. Ironically, the contamination didn't come from the boys. The contamination originally originated at Robin's house when the nanny got the Rona and then they held Ari's birthday party, a family get-together, and then people started getting the Rona. So it didn't originate with the boys. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, Janelle explains that Garrison was very frustrated with how he felt his mom was being neglected. So he called Robin and he asked her, hey, can we have our dad back? Because Cody hadn't been around. I think it's awesome that Janelle's sons are standing up for her. They know right from wrong. We have seen her sons stand up for her. We've seen her sons also stand up for Christine with Cody. And I think that that is a testimony to how much love that the family has, at least with the heart of the family, Christine and Janelle and their kids together. They always take up for each other and support each other. With Garrison calling Robin and standing up for his mom. Now Cody feels like his angel has been wronged. Cap in hand. Robin has been wronged, guys, according to Cody. And Janelle's kids apparently need to apologize to Robin for speaking their truth. Now Robin says she never asked for an apology and she doesn't want one. It wasn't her idea, guys. Robin says she just wants to be okay with the boys, and that was never her intention. Now, Janelle explains how Cody wanted apologies initially, and then with prompting from Robin, prompting from Robin, 
who manipulates the fuck out of Cody and manages him, Cody has said instead of an apology, he will accept having a conversation with his boys. But Cody has made no moves to initiate a conversation. Janelle sees no movement on Cody's part towards a reconciliation. Cody explains that Janelle is just going to go back east for Thanksgiving. She's going to visit Maddie and Caleb. And Cody gets it. But guys, Cody is butthurt. Cody is sore. He needs to be coddled, guys. He's tender emotionally from the divorce. He's tender emotionally. Tender emotionally from the divorce that he largely contributed to and caused with his behavior. He was toxic to Christine. He was emotionally abusive. He was manipulative with Christine. But oh, guys, his emotions are tender, guys. And it's about him, Cody, the victim. And apparently, according to Cody, Janelle is supposed to lick Cody's wounds and nurse him back to health when he has used Janelle to his advantage financially and he has treated her sons like shit. And he has treated Janelle not so great and he also refuses to reciprocate and help Janelle financially with her dream of building on the land. He also notified her last season that he expects her to morph into Robin so that their marriage can work to become more like Robin to become more obedient is what Janelle needs to do for the marriage to work, according to Cody. Cody is so fucking dumb. He has no self-awareness at all, 0%. And he has no awareness that Robin's praise and her ego feasts and her best customer service and her advice are all to manage him and make him think he wears the pants while Robin gets what she wants. She just manages him and manages his mood. She's not being real with him. And he wants Janelle, a smart woman and an independent woman, to bend the knee to him when he allows this woman that he's married to to manipulate him and basically do best customer service. And he's cool with that as long as he gets to feel like a hero. That's how fragile he is and how fragile his ego is. What a joke this is. Like, what a joke. Janelle is supposed to rescue Cody's tender heart and help his tender emotions. Janelle is supposed to help him through his divorce when he has treated her and her kids like second-class citizens just because they refuse to bend the knee and kiss the ring and kiss he and the sales lady's asses. No, thank you. But Cody's emotions are tender, guys. He's tender. And now he expects Janelle to support him and to coddle him. When has Cody supported Janelle? When has Cody treated Janelle like she matters? Like what she needs? Like what she wants is a priority to him? Like what she wants matters? When she has financially supported Cody's whole family for years. This is a big what the fuck. This guy is insane. Oh, she's not coddling. My emotions, my tender emotions. He's a self-proclaimed alpha male whinging and moaning and whining about his tender emotions, begging for a pity party, begging for attention when Cody knows his behavior contributed largely to the mess he is in. We don't see Christine, who was mistreated for years, 
wallowing in her emotions. She's moved on. She's happy. She's glowing. She's light. She's free. She's free of the village idiot. But Cody is miserable and he wants to play victim and just wallow in misery. Cody is nursing his tender emotions from the divorce that he caused. And he says this would be the time he wishes his wife would look him in the eyes and say, sure, I support you. And Cody goes on, sure, I've been an ogre, but I love you. I support you. I understand what you're going through. And Janelle isn't doing any of that to Cody's dismay. And she's even telling Cody she doesn't like him. She prefers other things. And she even prefers his ex-wife. So Cody is so delusional that he wants to disrespect people. He wants to be toxic to people. He wants to manipulate people. He wants to emotionally abuse people. And he wants to treat his wife like shit. And he wants to kick his wife when she's down. He wants to not reciprocate her sacrifices at all by helping her in her time of need with paying off the land. But he wants her to still have love and be there to nurse his fragile ego from the divorce he caused with his bad behavior. Why would Janelle do that? Why would she want to be there after the way he treats his family, after the way she knows she sacrificed when now she needs his help and he refuses? In fact, he requests that Janelle be more like the best customer service wife, the sales lady selling Cody the snake oil. Cody is totally nuts to expect Janelle to be there to nurse his ego and his feelings when he does nothing to be there emotionally for her or for her kids. Now, in Salt Lake, we see Christine. She looks amazing. She's glowing. She's excited. She left Flagstaff two months ago, and it feels like she's ripping things apart. Christine really thought that this was going to be easier, but she says it's an end of a book, a saga, And so everything feels really unsettling. Now, Cody puts it this way. He says, Christine is gone and Janelle is doing stuff with Christine, but she isn't doing stuff with the rest of them or even with just him. So Cody doesn't know what to make of this. Robin says it's tense in the family across the board, and it's for a couple of different reasons. According to Robin, there's Christine leaving and her divorce. With Cody, there's a lot of tension going on, and they're now talking about doing Christmas separately as a family. And so, according to Robin, there's a world of heartbreak and worry and stress over whether or not they're going to be together for Christmas. And she says it's a horrible thing to think about for her, and it's scaring her, and it's stressing her out, guys. She's stressed out. Poor thing, angel cap in hand. Oh, stress, oh. You know what? Imagine how Janelle and her kids feel or how stressful it was for Christine to endure her marriage to Cody or for Christine to have her daughter go through major, major surgery without her dad there. But, oh, this hurts for Robin. It stresses her out so much. It stresses her out. Oh, look what everyone's doing to her. And, of course, It's all about how it affects Robin. It's all about her. Robin says, from the minute she met the family, they were doing holidays together. They were doing every single holiday together. So this is a weird experience to wonder, well, who's going to be together for the holidays? 
So, Robin bitches that it seems so screwed up, guys, and I just, I hate it. I hate it. She hates it, guys. I wonder how much nicer it is for Janelle and Christine and their kids to just be able to have holidays without the black clouds looming, to just have a fun, upbeat, chill, happy environment for the holidays, rather than being around the sales lady and her best customer. The stress, the tension, the demands, the control, the protocols. Let's not forget those protocols, people. Imagine how much more peaceful it is at their holiday events. Now, Cody says everybody makes choices and Christine chose to leave. Janelle chose to choose Christine as somebody to be close to rather than Mary and Robin or even him. And Cody says people make choices. They make choices all along. So it frustrates him if anybody in the family starts acting like they are the victim. Again, everybody makes choices. People make choices. They made choices all along. And it frustrates him if anybody in the family starts acting like they are a victim. Wow. Projection much? I almost spit out my coffee watching Cody deliver that bullshit. Cody acts like the biggest victim of them all. He's his own worst enemy. His mental state his mindset, his behavior got him here. His personality issues got him here. And he wants to point out that nobody's a victim. They aren't victims. Nobody's a victim. But we have Robin and Cody bitching and whinging about how they feel, what was done to them, what was taken from them, how they were victimized by everybody else. They play the victim card all day, every day. Also, Cody puts this on choices. He says everybody makes choices. And in earlier seasons, he says he wants his kids to own their choices. Now, Cody made the choice of living polygamy, of plural marriage. And as Mary said, he could choose to like everybody's turkeys if he wanted to, but he likes Robin's turkey more than hers. But he signed up for this. He signed up to like everybody's turkeys. And Cody isn't doing what he signed up for. He isn't holding up his end of the deal. He himself takes zero accountability and he doesn't own his choices. Next, Janelle talks a little bit about her relationship with Cody. And Janelle thinks that this trailer thing has been more of a strain on her relationship with Cody. And she really didn't anticipate it. She thought that this would be this grand adventure and... She really didn't think that it would be so hard. And she says, when it wasn't all easy and it wasn't comfortable and it was hard, Janelle thinks Cody got disillusioned very fast. And it was very easy for him to blame her for this. Now, Cody, in my opinion, saw having to spend time with any wife who doesn't blow smoke up his ass 24-7 about how great he is. He saw any wife and spending time with her as a burden unless they treat him as their hero. And so way before Janelle got the trailer, the guy was disengaged. The guy was checked out. He said it all when he said, my family are obstacles to my goals in life. My wives, my kids, the people I would have nothing without are the obstacles to my goals in life. 
not they are the blessing. My family is the dream. My family, my wives, my kids, they're the obstacle, the barrier to me having what I want in life, to my goals. That's how much he valued them. So Cody checked out way before Janelle got this trailer. And then Cody used the trailer as an excuse, as a reason to alienate Janelle further and create distance. He let Janelle know last season. He told her that she needed to change. She needed to be more obedient. He specifically said, basically, more like Robin. Change. Become more like her. Change who you are for this marriage to work. And when it was a fuck no, Cody was done. He doesn't want this. He doesn't want to be a plural husband and a dad. Active with everyone. Involved and engaged with everyone. So Cody's solution in his feeble mind is that everyone needs to obey. Everyone needs to copy and paste Robin's fake submission, her fake deference, her false respect, and her manipulation of Cody, basically selling the snake oil, coddling his ego, making him feel like a hero. He wants every wife to treat him exactly as Robin does. And Cody is a fool. Deep down, Robin doesn't really respect Cody. She doesn't really think he is this hero. But she makes him feel that way. She makes him feel that she sees him that way. She is playing his game. She's basically managing a toddler's tantrum. She's managing his moods. And she's getting what she needs out of the situation. Security for herself and for her kids. I don't think she actually thinks Cody is great. Deep down, she probably thinks he is a fool who has some mental problems. And look how she was able to secure her life by manipulating that fool and upholding his fragile ego and blowing smoke. Cody wants to make this polygamy thing work by making it easier for himself, by forcing everyone to bend so that they blow smoke constantly, so that they obey him, so that he can live with it when he really doesn't want it. But instead of Cody being a man and saying, I can't do this, I don't want this, it's now everyone else's fault that it's not working out because they don't let him lead. They don't bend the knee. They don't still the tongue so he can just play the role he doesn't want just to make the decision he regrets easier on him. The guy shouting from the rooftop, own your choices, own your choices. I want my kids to own their choices. Doesn't own shit. For Cody's burden, for his bad choice to work for him, he wants everyone to play act and put on a show. He doesn't care about what they want or what they need or their voice or their emotions or their feelings. He doesn't care. He just wants it to be easy for him So he can just do it and he doesn't have to do much and he doesn't have to look like the bad guy. And he expects to control everyone so that it's easier for him, so that it's more convenient for him, so he can tolerate this family structure he no longer wants. Cody's a coward. He could have respectfully told his wives, I can't do this. I'm really sorry, but I just, I, it's, I don't feel it in my soul to do this and I'm not trying to abandon everyone, but let's do this with decorum let's do this with respect with love with dignity let's not burn every bridge instead he's a coward he's a fool he burned every bridge with his behavior 
and his toxicity. And now he wants to play victim and oh, he's depressed and all oh, his tender emotions. What about the emotions of his wives and his kids he neglected in order to prioritize one wife and her kids? Cody wants everyone to conform just to make his choice bearable and convenient for him. He refuses to own his choice and live up to what he promised his ex-wives and his family. He wants to take the coward's way. He wants to demand control and then blame everyone else for his bad decisions when they won't comply. And his bad behavior is directly what led him here. He will never take accountability. He wants to coddle himself. He wants to play victim. So his ego can reassure itself, well, it's not me. It's them. It's those women. It's those loose cannons. Those pesky kids and they're controlled by their mothers. It's those strong, independent women. It's them. They don't respect me. They don't let me lead. They don't let me control them. So it's easier for me to live with the consequences of a choice I no longer want that I made to live this way. I don't want to hold up my end of the agreement. So I want to control everyone to make it easier for me to look like I'm doing the bare minimum. Cody signed up for this. Cody chose to live this way. He made a promise to all of his kids and all of his wives, now ex-wives, who are still the mothers of his kids, that he was going to do this, that he was going to be able to be a father, at least, to all of his kids. And he's not living up to it. He's not doing it. And his way of handling it is everybody conform, so it's easy. And he also thinks that the mothers control the kids' ways of thinking, as if the mothers have poisoned the kids against him. If the mothers would just obey in some magical way, then suddenly the kids would obey and become submissive too. Newsflash, all of his kids are mostly adults. They all have seen the fuckery for years. They know what's up and they're going to stand for what's right. They're not going to stand for fuckery. And the moms don't actively influence the kids or turn the kids against anyone. The kids don't communicate with Cody, not because they were influenced by their moms. It's because directly of the way Cody treats his kids and his relationships with his kids, by the way, are his responsibility. They are not the kid's responsibility. They are his responsibility as a father and they are not the mother's responsibility. And kids, when they're grown, even when they're teenagers, think for themselves. They use what's between their ears to think and process from all the experiences and interactions that they've had with this person. So they come up with their conclusions about their dad themselves. They don't do it based on the parents, based on the moms. Now, it might not help that the kids see that Cody neglects their mothers. That might not help the situation, but kids definitely can think for themselves. And Cody's saying things like, oh, the moms are the gateway to the kids and the moms influence what the kids think. That's only going to make his kids not want to talk to him more because he's coming up with crazy conspiracies and trying to say that, well, my kids don't like me not based on my actions, but because someone was chirping in their ear. He doesn't want to take accountability for his actions, and then his kids will respect him less and want to communicate with him less. Now, Janelle says that it was easy for Cody to blame her, but she knows, in my opinion, that it's not on her. Janelle says as soon as the land is paid off, she can really break ground that's what she wants to do, of course. And so Janelle plans on coming back out next spring and they have a year till the property has to be paid off because 
the seller carried the note, the loan. And so he is the one who has a right to foreclose if they default on the loan. And now the clock is ticking and they could lose it all if they default. So Christine now is back in Flagstaff. She's visiting family and Janelle and her kids. And she's going to help Janelle build a bookshelf. Now, last season, Christine was conflicted about how she would refer to her sister wives, but she still considers Janelle her sister wife. And she says it's weird, but they aren't just friends. And Janelle explains that she and Christine in the beginning really didn't get each other. Janelle didn't get Christine when she first entered the family. And Janelle thought Christine was a princess. Christine thought Janelle was bossy. Christine didn't really know Janelle when she married Cody, so at first she thought they were okay. They had a little bit of an adjustment period, and then, you know, they became besties. Now, Janelle also feels like Christine is her sister wife, even though she's no longer married to Cody, so maybe it's not in the traditional sense. Christine thinks that it's very weird to really consider the sister wife word, but she thought of the people who consider their besties their sister wives who tell her that, and... She felt she could still consider Janelle a sister wife. Christine is going to see Janelle's apartment for the first time. Janelle admits that she likes the apartment much better than the trailer. She says it's much simpler. And Janelle tells Christine that she really thought that they would have made more progress with the building by now. This whole thing has taken much longer than she thought. It's taken a really long time. She still hasn't started building. But... Janelle does have her plans and Janelle thinks that if anything has come out of this crazy summer where she took a gamble at least she has her casita plan now. Now she knows what the property looks like and she says at least she has a driveway of her own. Janelle shows Christine the plans for her casita Janelle thinks that they're going to break ground probably in the spring, and she says it takes about six months to build a little casita. Christine thinks that if Janelle wants to build, that she should build. But Christine knows that they still haven't paid off the property. Cody says he doesn't think that they will be building on the property by spring. And he says coming up with the money to pay off Coyote Pass is very difficult. But According to Cody, coming up with the money for a down payment on a house isn't hard. But he says Janelle was refusing to do that. Of course she is. Janelle wants to build on the land at this point, And she doesn't want to waste money and a mortgage and a down payment and this and that on a home she knows she doesn't want. When she knows she's going to have to take a building loan and she wants to build on the land, she would rather just put the money into building. And that makes sense if they really were going to live on the land. It would be stupid to get a house and put down a down payment if you were actually planning to build. So Janelle has the plans. She wants to build a 1,200 square foot casita. That's what they can do with the county. And they can live there while Savannah goes to school while they build the bigger homes on the land. And Janelle thinks the biggest problem in moving forward is the argument the family has about whether they have the ability to pay off the property or not. Cody says they don't have the money. And Janelle feels they do have the money. 
Now, I'm glad that Janelle is addressing this head on. And she says that they're in the exact same situation that they were when they gave Christine the money for her house and when they gave Robin the money to buy her house, the Goblin's Lair. So Janelle really feels like no one is watching out for her. No one is prioritizing her. And her situation isn't a five alarm fire to Cody or to the family. And let's remember, Janelle was probably one of the primary contributors to the joint family account as the primary breadwinner for years and years. And let's also not forget that Janelle gave a lot of her Vegas proceeds from selling the Vegas house along with Mary to Robin to get the Goblin's Lair to buy that home. While Janelle is sitting here homeless, just wanting to build and wanting to make the smart financial decision of just putting the money that she has and getting the loan to build rather than tying up her money and down payments or a mortgage or this or that for a home that won't be her forever home. And Janelle had the family's back for years. She worked to get a paycheck that went to the whole family and her sister wives and not to her so that Mary could have an equal budget and things like her wet bar as Janelle had to scrimp and have her kids save rooms. Janelle worked to support this family. Janelle was there every time the family needed anything, including giving a lot of her Vegas home proceeds to Robin and Cody so Robin could have that house, yet Cody can't sacrifice and reciprocate and pay Janelle back and prioritize her when Janelle has financially prioritized the family, but he cannot prioritize her to help her with this. So Cody says they definitely don't have the money and Janelle feels they have the money. They're in the same financial situation that they were when Christine used a joint family account and when Goblin used a joint family account and Goblin also got other help as well. So Janelle is addressing how Christine got to use the joint family account to secure her home and Robin as well. And of course we know Janelle is the one who supplies most of that income. She was the primary breadwinner for years. So now when she wants to build, when the property has to be paid off, Cody is leaving her hanging out to dry. She isn't getting loyalty back or reciprocation back after all she has done for the family and all she has done for Cody. And Cody won't even extend Janelle the same privilege of using the joint family account for Janelle to pay off the land. When they're in the exact same financial situation they were in when Christine got help and when Robin got help. Janelle is probably feeling very betrayed. Janelle is probably realizing, wow, 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 wow. I mean, I had this man's back. I supported his wives. I sacrificed so that everyone could get the same. And my kids had to even share rooms so Mary could have her precious wet bar that I paid for. And now... Now when I need some reciprocation, I can't have the same privilege extended to me that Robin and Christine got to get their homes and Cody doesn't want me accessing the joint family account. Now, if Janelle did like Cody dictated and she wanted to buy a home, my guess is magically Cody would then allow her to use the joint family account like Christine and Robin did. But because Janelle is smart, and financially sound. She knows that if they're to build, it's much smarter to put all of her money 
in building and in the land rather than tying her money up. And she insists and Cody refuses to sacrifice after all Janelle sacrificed. And I think Cody wants to prevent Janelle after all she did for his kids and for him, for his family for all these years as the primary breadwinner from having what she needs and having what she wants. Cody treats Janelle like crap, like his money tree. And now when she needs the same privilege extended of the joint family account that got extended to every other wife, Cody refuses. They just don't have the money, even though they're in the same financial situation. And he expects Janelle to come lick his wounds. His emotions are tender, guys, from his divorce. And Janelle isn't being there for him. That's how little self-awareness this man has. When was he there for her? Cody's ego dictates everything and the lights are on, but no one's home and no one may ever be home. There's a permanent vacancy. Now, Janelle comments that she will be Christine's beautiful assistant when they're putting together this shelf. And Janelle explains that that beautiful assistant thing, that's a joke about Cody because Cody always needed a beautiful assistant whenever he was doing something. Savannah explains that when her dad works on stuff, he wants you to do it and he gets frustrated when you don't do it the way that he wants you to do it. And then you just get relegated to becoming the tool getter or the flashlight holder. Christine jokes that when Cody would be working on something, when he would get intense and irate and frustrated, Christine would joke and she used to criticize what Cody would do on purpose. She'd be like, well, I don't think it's supposed to be like that. Now, when she was Cody's beautiful assistant, she says it was great. It was fun because she loved seeing how things work. She loved seeing how to fix stuff. But when Cody would get way too intense, she would just mess with him just to frustrate him. And she wouldn't always do it on purpose. But if things got way too intense, if Cody got angry, Christine would just mess with Cody to frustrate him. And she says if things got intense, they needed to calm down. And it really wasn't her job as a beautiful assistant to have to calm him down. Now, we have seen Cody's inability and his immature mindset and his petulance and his inability to tolerate stress or frustration when doing tasks that overwhelm him. And Cody always thinks he knows best. He knows it all better than anyone. Ultimately, he knows nothing and he gets frustrated and he fucks up and he gets intense and he gets angry and he gets frustrated and he throws fits, toddler temper tantrums, and he won't take help. And we saw that with Gabe helping Cody level the fifth wheel. Cody couldn't do it. He was unsuccessful and he blamed the RV being defective. Gabe figured it out though and Cody kept saying the whole time that Gabe didn't know anything and Gabe did and Gabe was trying to really calmly help his dad, help his dad get it and Cody got very annoyed. Cody is always tense. He always seems constipated. He's always angry and toxic and so intense He really just sucks the joy out of life. Janelle mentions the situation with her boys and Cody to Christine. And she mentions to Christine that Cody is still feeling like the boys need to have a conversation with him. So 
They're going to do the holidays separately. They aren't going to Robin's because Cody insists he wants a conversation with the boys, an apology of sorts, for being disrespectful. And Janelle really doesn't think the boys have been disrespectful, but she thinks that there was a disagreement. Cody says he is in this place with the boys because he doesn't want to have a holiday experience where they haven't cleared the air, where something political or something about COVID or something about his own experience with COVID or anything like that comes up. And then they will end up devolving into an angry conversation. And Cody says it's a stupidity he won't bring into his house for the holidays. Basically, Cody doesn't want to be called out. He doesn't want to be held accountable. He doesn't want to own his shit. And he talks about everyone else making choices and he wants them held accountable. Own your choices. Own it. Own it. But Cody himself refuses to be humble. He refuses to take accountability. And he knows he missed Gabe's birthday and Gwen's during his COVID. And he probably doesn't want to hear anything other than what a hero he is. Now, Cody is a coward. And that is why he is in this place with the boys. He doesn't fear an angry conversation. Cody fears the truth. He fears being real and genuine. He fears taking accountability. He fears being called out. And he knows with everyone there, he won't be able to deflect or project or pull his manipulative tactics. And I believe Cody is afraid of his boys. He feels threatened by them. He's a coward in my opinion. Deep down, Cody knows the truth. He knows he's wrong. And he's been emotionally abusive and manipulative and unfair and neglectful. And his ego can't deal with being confronted with that. His ego can't deal with anything but coddling and being the hero. He's a coward. This isn't about Cody fearing a heated conversation. This is about Cody refusing to be an adult who owns his choices while he deflects on his son and everyone else in the family but the sales lady and her kids. Christine tells Janelle that she always said she will pick her kids over Cody. She will always put her kids first. And Christine says that it sounds like it's that way with Janelle too. And Janelle asks Christine, well, what am I going to do? Go to Robin's and hang out with just Savannah and Robin and her kids and Mary and Cody and without her other kids? They aren't going to do Christmas together. So Janelle will go do Christmas with her kids just because Cody has to have this conversation with his sons first and Cody has done nothing to initiate that. Now, Christine says that this whole thing, it just makes her nauseous. Whenever Christine has to look at Cody's face, I'm sure she probably feels just relief, relief. Christine asks Janelle if her leaving Cody is causing problems because Cody told Christine that she was breaking up the family and it's her fault that they're all splitting up. And Janelle doesn't think so. She says Cody is just angry. He's an angry guy. Christine says Cody told her she was breaking up the family and it's all her fault that the family is breaking up. And she says if her relationship with her sister wives is up to her and it's her fault that she has a bad relationship with her sister wives, she wonders then why isn't it Cody's fault if he has a bad relationship with his children? 
Cody is the only one responsible for his relationship with his children. It's not on Christine. It's not on his wives. It's only on him. And it's certainly not on his kids. A hundred percent well said. Why isn't it Cody's fault if he has a bad relationship with his children? Now, Janelle is very worried about Cody turning this around because Cody is in a place where he is tired of doing all the work to hold the family together. Now, Janelle feels as a husband in a plural family, that's his responsibility, and Janelle is right. Cody, the self-proclaimed alpha male, keeps whining and moaning about his tender emotions, playing the victim. And Cody says when a wife like Janelle undermines his rules, she undermines his ability to actually lead in the family. He says he could be a great leader in the family, and he should be, in spite of their undermining. But Cody complains he doesn't have the exposure to the children that the mothers have in the family, so having the mothers support him would be the thing to do. Now, I laughed at this bullshit. Cody thinks he actually believes in his feeble mind that he could be a great leader. He could lead the family. He's capable. But what prevents him, his barrier, his obstacle to being the great leader he is, the great husband, the great father, is Janelle and the mothers undermining his rules and not obeying him because Cody doesn't see all of his kids. So because of that, he wants the moms to respect him, to blindly obey him, and to bend to his dictates because in Cody's pea brain, he thinks, then the kids will respect him, then they'll obey him too, and then he can lead and it can be easy for him. And he can live with the choice he regrets of having a polygamist family and being a polygamist patriarch. According to Cody, everyone has to cower and accept manipulation and emotional abuse and moods and anger. And everyone has to bend to be controlled, to bend to his will, to make Cody's bad choice of being a polygamist easier for him and more convenient for him. That's how sick this guy is. He wants to infringe on everybody's free will, personal choice, and identity to make this choice he regrets easier on him. And Cody says he could be a great leader, but the wives, Janelle specifically, undermine him. If not, if it wasn't for that, he'd be great. It's those strong, pesky, independent women and those pesky kids who are feeble-minded and influenced completely by the mothers. They can't think for themselves. No, no, no. They are spoon-fed what to think about him. Because in Cody's mind, he's not at fault. It couldn't possibly be his behavior that turns everyone off from wanting a relationship with him. No, no. It must be that the wives are poisoning the kids against him. Cody seems to think that the kids are malleable and they're super weak and they just have air between their ears and no free will and they're not capable of independent thinking. And he seems to think that if the moms were just robots and they were obedient Stepford wives, 
carbon copies of Robin. If they just blindly do what Cody says, then the kids will follow suit and they will just have perfect harmony. But to do that, Cody wants to infringe on everyone's will, on everyone's identity, to dictate and to control. That's Cody's version of a leader. Cody has never shown that he is capable of being a leader, that he has those qualities. And Cody doesn't behave in a way that deserves or fosters any type of respect or belief in him as a leader. Cody acts like a fool, like a petulant toddler throwing tantrums in the terrible twos. He can't even control his emotions. On top of that, he has zero self-awareness and he has zero ability to take any accountability. And in Cody's mind, in his work perception, if the wives just bend, if they will just conform and follow and they will obey him, then the kids will follow too. The kids, by the way, are mostly older. They see the fuckery for themselves. They think for themselves. They have had interactions with the family, with Cody themselves. They know how their dad is. And it probably doesn't help the way Cody mistreats the moms and the way he neglects and the way he manipulates and the way he's toxic and the way he's petulant. They see all of this year after year after year after year. And eventually they're going, wow, we don't even know who this guy is who was our dad. We don't want anything to do with him. And who would blame them? Cody burned bridges with his behavior. It has nothing to do with his wives poisoning the well. But Cody has to come up with an excuse because his ego just can't take that he is the problem here. In what world does Cody think that the wives will suddenly drink the Kool-Aid and then the kids will magically just fall in line? That's insulting. That's insulting. And the kids, by the way, probably feel so insulted that their dad thinks they're that weak that they would be influenced like that and that they can't think for themselves. Cody doesn't want to lead for the best interest of his family. He doesn't want to lead because he cares about his family or he cares about their well-being and their emotional health. Cody wants to lead because he regrets his decision of polygamy and he wants to just make it tolerable and more convenient for him to live with his choice. He wants it to be more palatable for him even if he has to squash everyone's voice and identity to make it easier so that he can feel like the big man. He's a two-year-old in an old man's body. Janelle explains that you can't be the husband in a plural family and just be like, well, I don't want to do any more work. I want you guys to get together so that it's easy for me. Janelle says it's not how it works. She and Cody have been in tough spots before and they have always come out of them. But she says she cannot be in a full relationship with Cody if he is going to be estranged from her kids. It seems wrong. Janelle says a big part of her relationship with Cody has been the fact that he was such an engaged, good father and he doesn't want to be that anymore. So now Janelle doesn't know who that guy is. And she wonders, who is that guy? Where is that guy she once knew? She doesn't recognize the man she married anymore. And if we recall in Becoming Sister Wives, what really drew Janelle to Cody 
wasn't really romantic love. She saw the way Cody interacted with his family and what was very important for her because she didn't have a strong father figure in her life was wanting to have a strong father figure for her kids. That was her priority, having a good father for her kids. And that was a big selling point of why she married Cody. And Cody is being a shit father right now. He has no desire to come through and do the right thing. Not by his wives, now ex-wives, not by his kids. Next, Mary comes over to Robin's house for a visit and it's freezing outside. And of course, Robin doesn't invite Mary in. She wants her to freeze outside. So Mary and Robin sit outside and Mary just has this shawl blanket on and Robin makes sure to remind Mary on camera. She wants us all to know what a generous man Cody is. Mary wasn't prepared to sit outside. She didn't have a coat. So Robin reminds Mary, didn't Cody buy you a bunch of coats for Christmas? She wants us all to know how great Cody is. And Mary tells Robin the coats are at home. They're in her closet. She just has this blanket and she's cold. So Robin gets Mary Cody's jacket to keep her warm. I wonder how much of a manipulation that was. Because we all know Robin has a thing for Cody's jackets. Do you guys remember when I believe it was McKelty was wearing Cody's jacket and Robin was courting Cody and she took the jacket and she hugged it and she smelled it and she said, oh, I miss your dad, freak. So at this point, Mary and Cody's relationship basically consists of her seeing Cody whenever she happens to visit Robin's house. And they refer to Mary as Cody's friend. And Mary thinks that's weird because she thinks friends talk to each other more than she and Cody speak to each other. Robin brings out Cody's coat and desperate Mary says it'll be kind of like Cody is giving her a hug. She's desperate. She's thirsty. She wants to smell Cody and feel him. So Robin volunteers to squeeze Mary while she puts the coat on. And Robin says Mary can close her eyes and play pretend. How fucking pathetic these women are. Wow. (laughs) Wow, wow, wow. Now, Mary recalls that there was a time when Cody would give her his coat to wear. He would be chivalrous when it was cold. And now Mary says Robin is being all chivalrous for Mary and for Cody. How often was Cody really chivalrous? Because the picture they show on the show of Mary wearing Cody's coat seems to be circa 1980. They look like they're maybe late teens, early 20s in that photo, if that. Not too long ago, all of the adults got together to discuss the holidays and who's going to be around. Now, I have to say, this episode was boring and it was lazy as fuck. They basically recycled everything from last season. It was super boring. And they keep flashing back to the exact same flashback scene that they showed 10 million times last season already. Mary feels that the whole holiday conversation that they had was very emotional. 
And Robin says it's a big mess. And she wants to talk to Mary about what Mary wants to do for the holidays. Since Mary is the only one interested in spending Christmas together with Robin and her family. Robin is trying to wrap her brain around the last few conversations. She doesn't know. She says no matter what is going on with the parents, she still has to make sure that her kids have a good holiday. So Mary is, of course, going to attend. Now, I want to point out Robin does refer to Leo as Mariah dead naming. But to be fair, I don't know if when this was filmed, Leo had announced their name and pronouns yet, because I know there is a huge delay between the show filming and real time. Robin is really struggling with what's going on with the rest of the family. Not just with Christine leaving, but also with the boys and with Cody and Janelle and all of it. And Robin wonders, who are you people? She just doesn't get it. She wonders who the Browns even are. But she is grateful that Mary is not giving up on the family. And Robin feels it's ironic because Mary wants to keep figuring it out. And Mary wants to keep working on it. She wants to work it out. But yet, she and Cody are where they're at in their non-existent relationship, and Robin wishes that it was different. So Mary's going to go to Robin's holidays, and Mary recalls last Thanksgiving. It was weird. She says it wasn't their whole family, and usually during the holidays, it's all of them, and it's big, and it's loud, and it's fun, and it wasn't like that last year at Robin's. It was just Robin and Cody and Robin's kids and Mary. So Robin's going to do the turkey again because Cody really liked Robin's turkey. And Mary doesn't want to mess with making a turkey. Last year, Robin made the turkey and Mary made her rice crispy turkey. Mary made the turkey for years for the family. And she says Cody used to like her turkey until he had Robin's. And she guesses Robin's turkey was that much... And then Mary laughs because she knows it sounds off because she's not really talking about turkey here. Mary says her turkey is sweet, Robin's is savory, and Cody could like them both if he wanted. He signed up for liking everybody's turkeys. And Mary points out this is what he signed up for and he could decide to like them both. He could like everybody's turkeys if he wanted to. That's what he signed up for. And Cody is choosing not to. What's interesting is Mary would actually be loyal to Cody, which is what Cody says he wants from his wives. And Mary loves Cody and she loved Cody. She would actually be loyal and respect him. She would genuinely be there for him and not in the best customer service way, not in a manipulative way. She would be there. She would be there with him. She would be there for him. With Robin, she is manipulating the fuck out of Cody with her best customer service, blowing smoke up his ass, cooking him ego feasts, making him feel she thinks he is her hero, her leader. She blindly obeys as this needy damsel in distress, when all she is really doing is a manipulative transaction where she plays a role and makes him believe she sees him as he wants to be seen, as the hero, as the savior. She manages Cody. She manages his moods. But it's not genuine. 
Mary might not do all that bullshit. She might not blow all that smoke. She'll be real with him, but she loves him and she would be loyal to him and she wouldn't manipulate the fuck out of him. Mary wouldn't be using Cody. Robin is using Cody to get security playing a role when deep down, I don't really think she sees Cody at all as a hero. Cody's a guy she knew she could get security from, who she could easily manipulate, and Cody is the fool. Now, if Cody tried with Mary, she would actually give him genuine loyalty, and Cody is just a very stupid man. Robin tells Mary, it's weird, this whole situation has her thinking so much thinking. Thinking is hard, especially for Robin. And Robin tells Mary she is trying really hard not to get, and she asks, what's that word? What's that word when you're just, you feel like everything's falling apart and it's just so bad. It's bad. Everything's falling apart. Mary responds that everything's falling apart and it's bad. Now, for me, the word that came to mind was depression, being depressed, desperation, hopelessness, but my number one would be depression, but Robin apparently doesn't know that word. Now, Robin asks Mary, what's the word? She just can't find it. It's on, it's on the tip of her tongue. Oh, she just doesn't know. Now, Mary doesn't know if there's a word for that, and Robin says, it's like you're just kind of letting it, you know, just pull you down sort of a thing. Depression. The word is depression. Robin has been thinking about other plural families and the knowledge she knows about other plural families and how they operate in these situations. And so Robin is trying not to feel like it's the end of their world or like it's hopeless, completely hopeless. And Robin is just struggling. She's looking for some light at the end of the tunnel because she is struggling so bad. And she's struggling not to be blue. She's struggling not to cry constantly and not to be depressed. And Robin thinks there are ways to get this figured out and fixed. And so Robin tries to look at this from a different perspective so she doesn't go all dark every single time. She thinks about it and it feels like such a different perspective. It feels like a big difference. It feels like such a deviation from that big picture that she wanted, from what she saw, the ideal picture in her mind. It's so different from what she wanted. And now the Rona has made Robin wonder if what she saw was even real, if that dream picture in her mind of the perfect family was ever real. And she tells Mary she isn't trying to be insulting, But it makes her wonder if what she saw initially in the family was as real as she thought it was because of what has happened the last year and a half. Now, Robin is struggling with depression over this, and she feels like they have failed, you know, and she really keeps trying to squeeze out tears, and she looks like she is severely constipated trying to squeeze out a shit on the toilet every time she scrunches up her face like that to squeeze those fake tears out. Robin isn't a victim, and Robin wants to talk about how this isn't the dream she pictured with the grandkids on the porch and the perfect happy family, how that's now stolen from her, and now, because she isn't getting what she pictured, that ideal picture that never actually was, she wants to now twist it as her being done wrong by everyone, 
Her dream was stolen from her by everyone else in the family. Her being depressed is the family's fault. And now she wants to act like she was deceived, like she was sold a family, an ideal picture of a family with the cracks glossed over so she could not see them when she came into the family as if she was sold a lie, as if she was deceived, as if she was wronged. And now she is the depressed victim. And really what I think is going on is I think Robin knows that Cody is an angry, miserable guy and she is now stuck with him alone to be miserable only towards her and he can only direct his misery at Robin now. And the best customer treatment only goes so far. And now Robin feels regret and a huge burden and maybe some guilt, but she will never say it. Instead, she wants to portray this as her being deceived. She's the victim, guys. She's getting the short end of the stick. She doesn't get the porch with all the grandkids and her sister wives. It's all about Robin, guys. Robin, Robin, Robin. And now Robin wants to say, wow, this family was always dysfunctional. I'm not at fault. It's not me. I guess I just didn't see how they were. It's not me. I'm not the problem. I didn't contribute to this. Now she's saying, Wow, this family was never perfect. It's their fault. They always had issues. How could they not in this situation with multiple wives and a tribe of kids with a man like Cody at the helm? It's a clusterfuck. Of course, the family always had issues, but the family functioned well. The family worked well. It was good. When it was Cody with Mary, Janelle, and Christine, by the point that Robin came in, They knew everybody's quirks, they knew everybody's good traits and bad traits and personality issues and rules and this and that, and everybody adapted and came to a happy place where everyone could function well and everyone got along, and there were still problems, but it was good, and Cody was doing everything he could to be present and do things fair and equal, and he wasn't perfect, but he was better. Robin wants to now make a big song and dance and blame it on the issues before because she doesn't want any blame placed on her. Robin came in and the whole family dynamic shifted and it never settled into something functional that worked. And that had to do with Cody and his behavior, his inability to do things fairly and equally, his inability to be inconvenienced, his inability to handle the burden of responsibility of all of the wives and kids who weren't always easy, who weren't always convenient, where he didn't have his ego coddled, where he wasn't absolutely revered. Robin's manipulation of Cody contributed to this. Her demands contributed to this. And ultimately, it falls on Cody, who always falls short. But Robin knows she had something to do with the disintegration of this family herself. And now her way out is to spin it as, it was always this way. Oh, I just didn't see it. Oh, it's not me. It's them. It's their fault. I'm depressed. I'm the victim. Look what they've done to me. I don't get my dream of the port and the grandkids and my sister wives. So Robin struggles with depression over it and she feels like they have failed. And Mary feels that the family struggles have been amplified during COVID. And Robin really wants to confirm with Mary that the tension was always there. That kind of a thing. She wants accountability off of her completely. And she wants Mary to confirm that there was tension before that maybe Robin didn't see. And Mary 
tells Robin she doesn't know. And Robin demands to know, was there tension in the family? Was it there basically before her? She has to know. She demands to know, was there tension, Mary? Now, she seriously wants to sit down and go, okay, were there things that she was missing when she first came into the family with them? And she wonders if she maybe didn't quite realize underneath everything that there were issues, issues with Christine and Cody, issues with everything. And this thing with Cody and Christine has floored Robin. And she knows that she says there was issues. She uses was instead of were multiple times, but I can't bring myself to use incorrect grammar. So Robin knows that there was issues and stuff like that, but every marriage has issues. And Robin asks Mary, was there stuff I didn't know about? Next, Christine has asked Cody to meet her for lunch to discuss Truly and Truly's life and how Truly is in the holidays. Christine really wants to have an amiable divorce and she wants to be able to talk to Cody about anything and she wants to be able to co-parent. Notice how gracious Christine is. She wants to co-parent. She wants things amiable, even though Cody treated her like shit and was neglectful of her kids. She wants to be amiable with the father of her kids. She wants a pleasant, friendly relationship, even though Cody is angry and resentful of her. Now, Christine could easily look back and focus on the stress and the drama and the trauma and the suffering that she endured being married to a guy like Cody. And instead, she focuses on the positive, on her kids, on the family. She takes things lightly, and we're going to contrast this with Cody's comments about Christine in a minute. Now, Cody doesn't know how he feels about meeting Christine for lunch. He says he isn't feeling like he is in a great place. When has Cody ever been in a great place, really? Other than maybe the sexcation he took with Robin, when have we really seen Cody happy and upbeat and really in a genuine great place? Not just a for show charisma, but an actual great place. Cody's miserable. He looks dried up and he seems to want everyone else to be miserable too. He's a black cloud over everything and everyone. Now, Cody and Christine awkwardly hug and Cody looks so dark and mean and angry. He's the picture of misery. And Christine looks like the complete opposite. She's full of light. She's bright. She's smiling. She's happy. Even in the most awkward situation, this lady has way too much light to be around a man with that type of energy and that type of vibe. I get bad vibes in the pit of my stomach just seeing Kotex on my TV screen. Christine wants to keep things light because she says, you never know with Cody what will happen in the next 10 seconds. Basically, at any minute, Cody could blow a gasket. He's very moody. He switches from anger to happy to okay to mad. And you never know what you're going to get. And she doesn't know what she's going to deal with. So she tries to manage it and keep it light. It's like Cody is like a toddler who needs to have handlers and everyone has to walk on eggshells to manage him because he's like mentally not all there. Now, Robin tells Mary that she seriously wants to know if there were things she missed when she came into the family. And Mary says when Robin came into the family, they weren't a perfect family, 
but they were a really good family. And she thinks people are looking back, trying to pick it apart. And if Robin saw that they were perfect, either they were really good actors or Robin had blinders on. And Mary isn't saying it to be rude. They weren't perfect, but they were good. She isn't going to let Robin paint this as, wow, it was always there. This isn't my fault. Oh, I just didn't see it. I was sold a bill of goods when I entered this family. She's not going to let Robin play that. Mary admits, pre-Robin, no, they weren't perfect. What polygamous situation would be? But they were good. See, Cody with the three wives, pre-Robin, and his wives, they function in a healthy way. No polygamous situation will ever, ever be perfect. No relationship is ever perfect. But their family was good. Robin seems to be delusional. And she seems to live in her own reality. And now she wants to act like, oh, well, I, ha- I was deceived. Like she was deceived. Or like she didn't see the whole picture. Because she knows Part of the blame is on her and she doesn't want it there. So she has to deflect to continue her victim narrative. Like, oh, maybe they just acted like everything was great. And oh, maybe, you know, I just got taken for a ride and I didn't see the truth. Oh, you know, as if, you know, the family put on a show to make her think things were perfect. Robin wants to do whatever she can to deflect from her accountability and to continue her victim narrative. Now, the family were good. Not perfect before Robin came in, but post-Robin, they were definitely not good. And that's 100% for sure. Now, Mary tells Robin she doesn't know what the relationship was between Christine and Cody, but she says it's not what she would have expected from Christine, but it's also not what she would have expected from Cody. Finally, Mary is putting some accountability on Cody as well. Robin says, with everything going on between Cody and Christine and everything that happened through COVID, she questions her reality. It's not her reality. It's the way she misperceives her reality between her ears. She misperceives everything and she has ideal delusions of what reality is that aren't actual reality. The reality was always there and it was Robin's fault in her ability to read the reality correctly because she wanted to see it in a certain way. Now, Robin is starting to wonder if she didn't really know what was happening back then in the family and she is looking for answers because she doesn't understand this and she says it matters to her. Yes, it matters to her that accountability isn't placed on her. Yes, she wants to point a finger and say, the issue is here. See, I found it, guys. It's not me. And on top of that, I was sold a lie about this family. I was deceived. I'm depressed. I'm the victim, guys. See, Robin says when she got divorced, it was a tough situation. And her most important thing was her kids and feeling like there was a safe family to be a part of. And when she met Cody's family, she saw them operating as one family and she saw all of these different things going on in the family that seemed very functional. And she thought this was a safe place for her kids to be. Now, Cody, of course, looks back and he wants to rewrite history as the whole thing was fucked. 
They were always horrible because, of course, he will do anything to take any type of accountability off of himself and Robin. So Cody says the first 20 years of his family were pretty dysfunctional. And because they wanted to be functional, they just had a different attitude about it. And they were trying so hard that they believed they were functional. But actually, in reality, they weren't. Now, I don't think their family was perfect with polygamy. There is no way to even get close to perfect. Even in any regular monogamous relationship, there's no way for it to be perfect. But in my opinion, the dynamics and the emotions and the layers of polygamy are far too complicated for it ever to be anywhere near perfection. But Cody and Janelle and Mary and Christine got to a place pre-Robin after all those years where they understood each other's ways and personalities and quirks and faults, and they did have a good dynamic and a functional dynamic. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. It wasn't easy. There were fights. There were hardships, but they calibrated, and they got to a place where they were comfortable. Everyone knew their role. They functioned well. And Cody now, because he is bitter and resentful and because he doesn't want to be blamed and he doesn't want Robin to be blamed, wants to rewrite history and say, that good family was never there. We never functioned ever at all because that takes the blame from Robin and from him and it puts it on polygamy and it puts it on his wives and not on him and not on his precious favorite wife. He isn't the problem. Robin isn't the problem. His family is the problem. Plural marriage is the problem. Disobedience is the problem. And he and Robin are victims of this. Now, if Cody says, like Mary, well, we weren't perfect, but we were good. We worked out the kinks. We functioned healthily. Then he has to admit his fault in the dysfunction or Robin's contribution to the dysfunction. So now... Oh, he has to rewrite history. It was always bad because that's easier. And then he feels like it's not on him and it's not on Robin and it saves the crumbs left of his pathetic ego. Janelle explains that once Robin entered the family, there was a shakeup and she doesn't know if things ever settled again. And Christine says they became very separate and the family tradition stopped after Robin came in. Christine says she doesn't know what happened and she isn't accusing Robin of stopping all of those family traditions, but she knows them getting together as a family and their traditions stopped happening after Robin. Now, Robin asks Mary if she's having a hard time with this because Mary doesn't say much. And Mary says she feels completely rejected and she knows what her relationship used to be with Christine. It was good. They had fun together. They laughed a lot, she and Christine. And Mary says, clearly when Christine was there at her house telling them she was leaving, she said she doesn't want a relationship. She doesn't want to work on things with her sister wives. And Mary says some of the emotions she has throughout this whole situation are feeling angry or feeling betrayed. But she says she knows it's a secondary emotion and really she is just sad. Robin has to make this about her and her thoughts, of course. So Robin tells Mary she always thought that one day there would be the closeness that she wanted and they would figure it out. And she says they hear the ladies in their church, in their culture talk about that, about that closeness. 
And Robin knows that Christine doesn't believe in this anymore. And she says maybe it's that simple that Christine just doesn't believe in plural marriage or the faith. But she doesn't know because Robin says she would choose their family even if she didn't have their beliefs anymore. Now, Robin doesn't want to judge, but she felt like someday things would get figured out and that they would have that closeness and figure out all of their issues. And then when Christine talked about leaving, it just shattered her. Mary says that they all believe in a God, but if they aren't involved in their church, she wonders how does that affect it, even if they don't believe in church or authority or even in the principle of plural marriage. Even if they got to that point and there's no religion at all and no principle of plural marriage or church authority holding them together, they are still a family. Now, Robin says the end goal she thought was that they could figure out everything and that just got taken away from her with Christine leaving. Now, Mary says people tell her all the time that she is only staying there because she is forced to or she thinks she can't go to heaven without it. And Mary says, that's bullshit. We don't know her. She says when she married Cody, she made a commitment to him and she loved him and she still loves him and she still honors that commitment. And when they decided that they wanted to have a plural family, she didn't make that decision because she thought that was the only way she would get into heaven. She made that decision because she loved Cody and she wanted to spend her eternities, plural, with him. So either way, really, the decision was about Mary wanting to spend her eternities, the afterlife, with him. It still was a decision based on heaven and the afterlife, though, and where she would spend her eternity. Now, Robin knows that everybody is dealing with this in different ways. And Cody is dealing with it in a big way. And Robin feels they need to acknowledge it. And Robin says she isn't trying to tell anybody what to do. But Cody is really, really going through some major weird stuff in his head trying to figure this out. Basically, he's going mental like we didn't already know. Mary talks to Cody maybe once every other week, if that. And so Mary can see Cody's mental state and that he's not doing well. And Robin wants everyone to carry the torch because Cody has been carrying it for a long time and now he is tired. Now, Robin wipes away tears for her best customer and she says, Kotex is just so discouraged. He's discouraged. (laughs) And she feels like she and Janelle and Mary should be giving their teammate a break. Do you guys remember how disheartened and discouraged Isabel felt when Cody couldn't go to her major surgery? Or when Gabe felt disheartened and discouraged and heartbroken because Cody forgot Gabe's birthday because he was so consumed and self-absorbed in his Rona? Does Robin not think that Christine was tired when she was a neglected wife and her kids were neglected or that Janelle was tired of not having reciprocation for her to pay off the land? Everyone's tired. Why does Cody's tiredness need to be coddled and attended to, but everyone else can just fuck off and whenever they complain about how they're not getting fair and equal time, Robin says, oh, they're just misperceiving things. Oh, they made choices. Everything is a gaslight. Everything is fuckery. But when Cody needs support, 
when Cody is just tired, when Cody's frustrated, everyone needs to run and lick his ass. So now Robin wants to suggest that Janelle, Mary, and herself need to carry the torch for Cody because, oh, Cody's so tired, guys. He's tired. Cody's other wives and kids that were treated like second-class citizens are tired too. I don't see Cody running to coddle them or to be there for them. During the Rona, when Cody's family really needed him, he wasn't there for them. Cody didn't act like a father. He didn't act like a leader. He didn't act like a teammate. He didn't act like a husband. Cody acted like a toddler. He acted like a coward. He was emotionally abusive. He was neglectful. He was bitter. He was resentful. He was angry. And now everyone is supposed to run to coddle him. Fuck that. Robin warns Mary, if you guys, if somebody doesn't pick up that torch, then the torch is going to go out. Oh my God, the sky is falling. Listen, Cody, if he wants to get help, he can go get help himself to change his mindset, to change his mentality, to improve his mental state and to learn to control his emotions and have healthy relationships. Cody needs to help himself. Cody doesn't need to be coddled. So now Robin wants to put it on Mary, Janelle and herself to carry the torch so the torch doesn't go out. Guess what, Sobin? The torch is all yours. Mary dipped, Janelle dipped, Christine dipped. It's all on you, baby. Carry that torch. Robin, in my opinion, is really just sad for herself. She pities herself because now she is stuck with a resentful, miserable, angry, unhinged, self-pitying guy, Kotex, who is always negative, and her best customer schmoozing can only go so far. And now with Mary, Janelle, and Christine gone, Cody can only really direct his misery at Robin. Now, if Robin thinks that Janelle and Mary are going to carry anything but their suitcases the fuck out of there, she is delusional. And again, if I was Mary sitting there, I would be like, look, I have one life. Cody treated me like shit. Here, let me help you, sweetheart. I'd pick up a stick from the backyard of that goblin's lair just behind the chair where Mary's seated. I would hand it to Robin, pull that bick out of my pocket, and I would be like, there you go, and I would bounce. I've done all I can. Cody mistreated these ladies for years. After the catfish situation, which Cody contributed to, by abandoning Mary as a husband, by being an absent husband, Cody was cruel and he twisted the knife every chance he got. He got off on it. And now he expects Mary to run and coddle his feelings and Janelle to run and coddle him because, oh, he's depressed. What about the depression and suffering he caused everyone else in the family? Cody neglected his other wives and kids. He mistreated these ladies and the kids. They were emotionally abused all because of his ego and his personality issues and his deep inner lack of self-worth. And he expects everyone around him to bend and cower and coddle his ego just to keep the monsters at bay and his ego intact and his emotions in check. And now Robin is trying to get everyone, she expects everyone to baby Cody because he's heading towards rock bottom. When they suffered, when they all needed Cody, he was not there. He couldn't even go to Isabel's surgery. So give Robin a stick, 
grab her a bic because she fed the monster. She enabled him and she can stay chained to it. It's not on Janelle. It's not on Mary and it's not on Cody's kids. It's on Cody to go get help. It's on Cody to take accountability. He's done been coddled and enabled. It's done. It just feeds the beast and makes Cody more toxic. If Robin genuinely cares about her best customer, she would stop the bullshit and make him get help and she would get help herself so she can live in the real world. Mary tells Robin she respects that and she's open to have conversations that involve her as far as helping Cody, but she would worry that Cody is expecting 100% perfection to move forward. Mary understands and she supports Robin, but she says because her relationship with Cody is non-existent and it's not a strong relationship, Mary really doesn't think Cody would recognize any support she was giving to the family or to him to help him. Now, Robin feels like Cody is optimistic and she says he has a tendency to change his tune with someone. One day he'll be mad, then he'll change his tune about what he thinks based on having a good day or a few good days. So what she's saying is how Cody behaves, how he treats people, how he perceives people is based on his unstable emotions and his unhinged mind and everybody should just take it and walk on eggshells because poor Cody Cody's tired he's depressed when Cody has treated his other wives and kids like shit like second-class citizens like afterthoughts like obstacles for years and now Robin wants to act like she is the one who's all about the family and everyone else isn't when that is not true and that is all bullshit Robin thinks that if they're diligently trying to talk and to communicate on whatever the issues are, she wants to. She wants to try to do that. She thinks it'll be better because Cody is tired. Now, Mary says life is heavy on Cody. He doesn't smile. He doesn't laugh. He doesn't joke, at least not around her. He's always very heavy. He has this heavy, intense scowl permanently on his face all the time. And Robin feels the only way they will be able to pick up the baton for Cody is for the three of his wives that are left to pick up the baton for him together. Mary, Janelle, and Robin. Now, Robin feels like it would be cool if everyone could get together and if she could trust them and if they would trust her. That will never happen because Robin already burned her bridges with her manipulative behavior over the years. Robin reinforces with Mary that she appreciates that she has this trust with her. And Mary has Robin's back. She says she doesn't agree with everything Robin does or thinks or says, though. And Mary says she and Cody have been in this place for a while where they are just estranged. And this has been going on for a few years. And she is also in this place of working it out. Mary thinks that there is a lot of work that they have to do, but she thinks that they could do it. If they put the effort in. Yeah, but will Cody put the effort in? He's the one saying, oh, I'm tired. I'm tired. It doesn't look like Cody's willing to do an effort. Now, we know, of course, there's a huge delay in filming and Robin is the only wife with Cody currently. So we are seeing Janelle and Mary and what's going to come to pass with them exiting the situation, even though we know that they already have left Cody. 
Now, Cody says seeing Christine for the first time is uncomfortable. He feels betrayed after all that he has done for this marriage. And then to have Christine shit talk him to the kids, he feels like in his heart, he just never wants to see her again. And he wants to spend some time hating her. So let's remember, Christine was the one who was mistreated by Cody. Her voice wasn't heard for a long time. And she has a right to feel anger. She has a right to basically feel how Cody feels about her. She has a right to feel hate, maybe, or to feel rage. But she doesn't. She wants to be amicable and amiable with him. She wants to be friendly and on good terms. She wants to co-parent. And let's contrast that with Cody wanting to hate her, desiring to hate her, the mother of his kids, who was the heart of the family for years, who raised most of his children, especially Janelle's kids, while Janelle was at work. This is how much he appreciates her. Christine wants to be amicable and Cody desires to hate her, full of the poison that consumes his toxic mind. Next, Cody and Christine talk holidays. Christine is going to leave a few days after Christmas, so they're going to be in Flagstaff between Christmas and New Year's. And Cody wonders if she and her kids can test in Utah because Aurora hasn't had COVID yet. And Christine hasn't talked to Cody about COVID for so long, and she forgot how concerned he is about all of that. Cody warns Christine that when they get here to Flagstaff, they have to test, and then he would like his kids to come over straight to Robbins right after that to make sure that they're Rona-free after their tests. And then they can see the rest of the family after that so he knows he and Robin and their kids are safe. So Christine's kids will go to Robin's and she will go straight to the rental and she will hang out with Janelle and the kids. Christine refuses to go to Robin's. Robin lies about Christine. She's very disrespectful to Christine. She's very manipulative. She's very rude. And I can understand why Christine wants nothing to do with it. Now, of course, Robin is throwing a pity party and she says when Janelle told she and Cody that she's going to go with her kids and do Christmas separate from them, it just broke her heart. Robin was just so sad to hear it. Oh, she was devastated, guys. We learned that Gwen had a birthday during the time when Cody had the Rona and Cody also not only did he miss Gwen's birthday, but also let's not forget that he missed Gabe's birthday when he had the Rona and he forgot all about Gabe's birthday, yet he was able to call Gabe to complain about his COVID symptoms without remembering that it was his birthday. Did this man get the Rona twice? Wow, that would be something. Now, Gwen was telling her mom how dramatic Cody was about being sick and how out of it Cody was when he was sick with the Rona. Now, from my experience, men who have any type of narcissistic qualities or selfishness or lack of self-awareness usually act like they are on their deathbed, even with a minor cold. They act like a baby curled up in the fetal position. They act like they're dying, even when it's really something very minor. They expect coddling and like they're the only person sick in the world and like the whole world stops for them. And... They expect a lot of pity and attention. Cody can self-proclaim that he's an alpha male. He's a man's man. All he wants, but he acts like a toddler and he acts like a child. And I can't even imagine what he's like when he's sick. 
He can't control his mindset. He can't control his emotions. And he cowers when sick. And I'm sure that it's a hilarious sight. I probably would be laughing my ass off to witness that. Now, Christina's mocking Cody. And Cody wonders if Gwen found it funny too when he was sick. You know, when he was on his deathbed with the COVID. Because we all witnessed how Cody acted during COVID. Like he is the only man in the world to ever suffer. And no man ever got as sick as him. No one has ever had the Rona as bad as him. Cody wants pity and he acts so weak, but he's a man's man, an alpha male. He fancies himself an alpha male and he's a great leader, but he can't even handle being sick. I've seen people go through cancer with less complaints than he had during that whole COVID scene on the show. And if what we saw on camera was just a fraction of his victim behavior when sick, Imagine the self-pity and the dramatics that ensued in their fullest extent off camera. What a fucking joke. Cody says he was out of his mind with anxiety and with depression. And Christine says she's sorry to laugh a little bit. But when Gwen described Cody being sick and Cody tells Christine she's mean, she's mean that way and that's okay. He's so fucking rude to Christine. He can't even laugh and take things lightly a little bit. Christine says she was married to Cody for 27 years. And every time he got sick, it was like the whole world revolved around his being sick. Cody says COVID was overwhelming for him. He wasn't able to sleep. He wasn't able to breathe. Christine says Gwen had a funny description of him and she says you can laugh or you can cry about things and if you can't look back with a sense of humor, what a waste. Cody says he was in the fetal position on the floor. He was sobbing. It was that bad. Let's remember this guy, this guy on the fetal position on the floor sobbing with the COVID is a total alpha male, guys. He's a man's man. That's alpha male behavior right there. What a leader he is. Look at how Janelle handled the Rona. Look at how her sons handled it versus Cody. Does Cody worry about when Isabel was sobbing because he couldn't prioritize her to make it to her major surgery? I mean, Isabel, Isabel had major surgery where her lung was deflated and screws and bolts were embedded in her spine. If something went wrong, it would have been catastrophic. We didn't see her crying in the fetal position, whinging and moaning. She was strong and she was a warrior. And look at the way Cody acted crying in the fetal position on the floor, but he's an alpha male. This guy is ridiculous. And he couldn't even be there for his daughter. Does Cody worry about Gabe pouring his heart out crying because he wants a better relationship with his dad? It's like talking to a brick wall. Or does he remember the time Gabe cried When his dad called to complain about his Rona symptoms, but he completely forgot Gabe's birthday, Cody acts like a loser. Nobody feels for him because he begs for pity like the boy who cried wolf. And you know, one day, God forbid, something serious could come and he will need his people and everybody will probably ignore his call because they assume it's like the 10 million other pity parties this guy throws for himself. Cody says he's not laughing. It's not funny. He hasn't been laughing. With Christine leaving, he has never laughed about this thing. She asked him to stop living at her place. He wasn't laughing then. She put his stuff in the garage. He wasn't laughing then. He has never been laughing. He says Christine took truly and then she left early and he wasn't laughing then. 
Cody says he has never laughed about this. He's full of poison. The guy doesn't even have the ability to smile. Christine is laughing and she says her reaction is terrible today. She is sorry, but she says she isn't married to Cody anymore. And it's so freaking awesome. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, it's so freaking awesome. She is free and she looks happier than we have ever seen her on the show. And it looks like this season will be one big pity party with Cody as his wives free themselves and live their best lives. That does it for this episode. I'll be back next week with the next episode of Sister Wives, Season 18, Episode 2, Thanks for Nothing. To my YouTube listeners, don't forget to like this episode and subscribe to my channel and let me know your thoughts in the comments section if you like. To my podcast listeners, don't forget to follow this podcast and rate it with all the stars wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.